0: Amen. Thank you, well, now we can jump in. I really wanted to share this morning, as I was just kind of preparing for Sunday morning, I just really sensed the father say, "Keep speaking to them the fresh words of restoration and redemption so we 're going to dive into that a little bit this morning, but what I want you to know is that the father is all about restoring and redeeming and i 'll give you those definitions this morning, but the thing I want you to know is that The Father wants you you to know that you're called into that kind of kingdom. We're not reborn into a kingdom of stealing, killing, and destroying, but one of true life in Christ. Your identity, the Father, when He looks at you, He says, You're called in, my son and daughter, to live in true life and life in abundance, which is found in Christ and His kingdom. That's what He's calling us into. Our identity is not one of stealing, killing, and destroying. If God can raise the dead, He can restore and redeem any situational thing for His kingdom if we allow Him to rule, reign, and take the lead. There's nothing like standing around watching a dead person raised to life, physically. Once you've seen that, everything else is like, oh, my Lord is bigger. Once you see... Very interesting things happen. The craziness of the enemy break out and you go, whoa. And then the craziness of God breaks out and you go, ho, ho, ho. Once that happens in you, you kind of are completely wasted for anything else. You're ruined for anything else. You realize that the God of creation and the God of redemption and the God of restoration is so much bigger than anything else. And you begin to allow that to influence you in such a powerful way that everything that you think and do is, is kind of dictated by this, that our Lord is Lord of all and our King is King of Kings and our Jesus is the Savior of everything. You see, that's the revelation I want more of in my life. So that when I face things, when I go into a world and there's these, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it uh, circumstantial. You can call it demonic. You can call it whatever you want. Those things do not interpret my life to me. Because I'm a God of restoration and redemption. When I walk into a room and I see the destruction of the enemy going on, I am not afraid and try and run away or hide in a corner and pray myself until I'm blue in the face. No, I walk right into it and I say, Hey, how's it, man? How are you? In Jesus' name, bye bye. All must, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. We should endeavor not to focus on what do I stand against. Rather, we should make our focus, what do we stand for? And God's kingdom will fight the battle for us. There's too many times that we focus on what we are against. You know, I'm against this thing. I'm against this thing. I'm against this thing. And you know what? I'm against this. And before long, the against interprets the kingdom understanding to you. So now when I begin, it's like, oh, this thing is so powerful because you're giving it the power and the strength in your life and you don't need to. It's not the way we're called. We are called to stand for the kingdom. We're called to stand in, you said it, we're new creations. In Christ, I am a new creation. I stand in it and I go, oh, that's amazing that that's bad. But you know what? My God redeems. In other words, I'll get to it, but Redemption means that God defeats the enemy, essentially. Do you get this? And so that's why I don't walk in going, woe is me. No, I don't do that, right? I walk in and I say, Jesus rules. And someone says to me, let me tell you a quick story. There's an old story and it's this kind of idea that matters. There's this old story where there was the Great Depression and this guy was selling hot dogs on the side of the road, and he just kept and the more the depression the, the, the worse the depression got, the more hot dogs he'd sell. So he would go home at the end of the day and he'd have a great day. And his son came to him one day, who'd gone off and, and you know traveled the world, came to him one day and said to him, Hey Dad, you know there's a depression, right? And he goes, He goes, Yeah, I know that. He goes, Well then, Why are you selling so many hot dogs? Why are you selling hot dogs? Shouldn't you like cut back and all that? Shouldn't you like save some hot dogs for later just in case? He goes, no, I don't focus on that. And that's the kind of attitude that we're called into as kingdom people. We're called to be light and salt. We're called to shine. We're called to be Jesus to the world. We're not Jesus, but we're called to be like Him. Why? Because God reigns in me. I'm unafraid of those things. What are we standing for? Do you stand for redemption? Do you stand for restoration? Do you stand for life? Do you stand for healing? Do you stand for raising the dead? Do you stand for the impossible? I read it last night while I was in bed. I was reading it on my phone. Jesus, after he's resurrected, he's hanging out. He goes, and Peter and a couple of the other uh, uh, disciples, they decide to go fishing. And Peter goes out, and he's out there the whole night, and he's putting all his expertise in, you know, all the stats and and the investigations. You know, we've been doing this for 30 million years. Okay, not that long, but you know what I mean. I've been really fishing. I'm an expert, and all the experts are out there on the boat. Fishing with the net. All the experts know everything. Oh, look, if you, chose, if you, if you, if you minus it by, by 30 degrees and you, you get a thicker net and if you throw it out and if you don't get it, if you get a nice flat wave, I mean a nice flat calm area, or if you look over here, the fish finder says that we've got fish over All this, they've got all their tools and techniques, right? And they get out there and they don't catch fish. Jesus pitches up in the morning on the shore and he says, Hey, and they haven't recognized it's Jesus yet. And he says, Hey guys, have you caught any fish? And they're like, No. He says, oh, by the way, just throw the net onto the other side. And they're like, what do you mean throw the net onto the other side? He's like, just throw the net onto the other side. And so they go, okay. They throw the net. Boom, 153 fish. Big ones. Big ones, the Bible says. Big. 153 big fish. What's the point that I'm trying to illustrate this morning? Because there's a lot to it. But what am I trying to say? You're born and called to be redemptive and restorative. So let's look at this expectancy quickly. Isn't that good news, guys? (laughs) And I'm telling you, I'm telling you the more God's been really just talking to me and he's just been saying, hey, my buddy, do you remember where you're from? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. He said, do you remember what you've gone through? I said, yeah, I remember that. He says, then what is the problem? That's to me personally. This is not for you. This is me personally. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He says, do you remember when you had no food that somebody brought food to you? I said, I actually do remember that, Jesus. He said, do you remember when you had no money, you were married, you were staying in a one-bedroom apartment, and Jesus came and he brought resources? I said, I remember that, Jesus. He says, do you remember when you prayed for a guy that was deaf? He heard. I said, I remember that, Jesus. He said, do you remember that you prayed for a guy who had cataracts over his eyes? You prayed for him. He could see. But even the cataracts didn't disappear. I said, I remember. He says, so then what is the problem? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember. Lord Jesus There you go. Why don't you hold your hands up quick? That's good, guys. Listen, if it's going to, I'll take it. Hold up your hands and say this, Jesus, forgive me where I've forgotten. I'm only human. I know you don't hold it against me. But come and encourage me to remember. I need to remember. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at this. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I just want to focus on one word. We know kindness and patience, but forbearance means tolerance. <laughs> forbearance Means restraint. Here the Father is saying this, as I have done for you, go and do unto the world. Listen carefully. I want you to know that if you allow me to lead, if you, encan- if you allow me to show, show my kindness to you, if you allow me to impart my patience to you, and if you allow me to give you the fresh revelation of restraint if you allow me to put these things in your heart because far too quickly we like to go to the negative in people we like to go to the negative in our situation but the father says allow me to come in and i'll cause a repentance a change of mind which this is essentially what it is because I know there's more to it. A change of mind and a change of action will come to you and it will bring restoration and redemption in your situation. Because the kingdom will fight for you on your behalf. All I need to do is say, Yes, Lord, I do not say, Huh. Lord, I receive. Your kindness, patience, forbearance. I receive the fullness of all these things and I ask you to teach me to repent of the way that I have because you've got better for me. We're afraid of repentance in the church these days because we see it as a negative. It was never meant to be a negative. It was meant to lead us to further glory. We're afraid to talk about it because we say repentance. Oh, oh, Jesus doesn't. No, of course. Jesus wants to change your mind, your heart. Did you know that he wants to change it for good? It's a great thing. I love repenting. I'm not afraid of repentance. I don't think it's a negative action. It's a positive action because it means I'm drawing closer to God. I'm saying, Lord, uh, change me. I need you. That's repentance. Change me. I need you. Why are we so afraid of it? I'll tell you why we're afraid of it. Because we've turned it into a works-based word. It's not. It's a grace word. Okay, I'm not going to get into that this morning. So let's look very quickly at expectation. And I'm talking about expecting redemption, uh, restoring and redemption. So let's go there. Expecting God to be a God who can restore and redeem anything has two influences on us. On the human level, it keeps us focused, alert, and hopeful. Just on a very natural level, it keeps me focused. Focused on what? God and the kingdom and what He's doing. Can I give you a secret? And it's helped me for many years. And I'm sure other people can attest to me on this. When I go into a difficult space or place, I've learned not to focus on what the enemy is doing, but what, on what God is doing. Therefore, I become redemptive and restorative because I call out what the, that's what Jesus meant when he says, I only do that which the Father, I see the Father doing. He watches what the Father's working on and he calls that out. Now, it doesn't mean I'm unaware or I ignore it, like I deny that there's something bad. No, it just means it does not become my primary influence. Is that helpful? There you go. Number two, the divine level is we are certain that God is moving on our behalf. I am not always certain, but I'm more certain now than what I was 12 years ago. And I want to continue moving in higher degrees of certainty that the divine loving God works on my behalf. Acts 1 verse 14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That's Jesus' brothers. What am I talking about? Very quickly, you need to know that when you begin to expect restoration and redemption, you're not expecting an airy-fairy thing. You're expecting a promise of the Lord. Here what happened is Jesus spoke to his disciples further on in Acts 1 verse 4, and he says, go and wait on the helper, Holy Spirit. And here's the fulfillment, here's what they went and did, I mean. They went out and they prayed. We're called to do the same thing, to wait and to say, yes, Lord, I believe you. There's the evidence of it. Jesus gave the promise. When the Lord gives you a promise, he fulfills the promise, not you. Where do I find the promises? It's simple. Scripture and a personal revelation that is bowed down to the truth of the gospel. Two things. I read God's scripture, allow the revelations to come to me. When I get personal revelations, I submit them to the scriptures. Then I know I'm going to see the kingdom break out. Because the kingdom does its own work. I don't have to work for it. But I focus on what the promises in Scripture is. You'll be saved if you call on Jesus. Jesus loves you unconditionally. There's no works for salvation. Sanctification is of the Spirit. All these things have been given. When I look at a difficult situation, okay, I'll, let me give you some promises quickly. Oh, okay, I'm going to, this is the prophet Anna, by the way, and, and this is important for me, by the way. I, I want to share this before I get into the, promise, the promises God's gift for you. There was a prophet Anna, the daughter of Peniel, uh, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, this is when there was the revelation. Jesus gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She had been promised by the Lord that she would not die until she sees Jesus. So she waited for that long in anticipation of the kingdom. Denial does not always mean a rejection. Listen carefully. Denial does not always mean a rejection. We have to, and this Dr. Maybury said, mature faith is the ability to wait and make friends with God's delay. Mature faith is the ability to wait and make friends with God's delay. Not your delay, not your expectation not being met, but God's delay. Did you know that God sometimes will delay? And that's okay. Why? Because I have the promises. I'm unafraid of the promises. I know that my God will come through. Therefore, when God says to me, Sheldon, and this is not what God said to me, you will have a full head of hair. If it takes 30 years, I'll wait for it. It's a joke, guys. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm unafraid because the promise. And here we see God gave a promise to the prophet Anna. She waited a long time, right? But it came true. Mature faith is the ability to wait for God's delay. Let's move on. Here's the promises. The wicked dread, the wicked, what the wicked dread will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. Isn't that a great promise from the Lord? Why righteousness? Why did it not say what we desire will be granted? Righteous. Right standing in the Lord. We can ask anything according to His will, and it will be done. The more I'm intimate with God, the more I can have safety, a feeling of safety, and a feeling knowing that the desires that God's placing in me will be revealed and done because my identity is a son and a daughter. Because the more I know God, the more I catch His heart. The more I catch His heart, the more I release the kingdom. Therefore, the righteous will be, the desires will be granted because His desires have become my desires. You're getting this? Simple, right? Let's look at another promise. I love this. May the God of hope... Okay, here it's showing. What's the nature of our God? He's a hopeful God. When we live outside of hope, consistently, all the time, we've missed God somewhere. And this is not a denial. This is hopelessness. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Where does all joy come from? The presence of the Lord. And peace. Presence of the Lord, Holy Spirit. As you do what? What's the key word there? Trust in Him. I know my Lord, therefore I'll trust in Him. Therefore when I face difficulties and weird things that I see, I can trust that my Lord said, hey, I'm the God of deliverance. Don't panic so much. Now, it's okay to panic, and it's okay to have a hard time, but don't let it become your primary foundation so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Holy Spirit comes to overflow you with hope. You know, I mean, listen, I can't attain this. I need spirit. That's why I need to drink more. That's why I need to be more with him. That's why I need to read scripture. That's why I need to just meditate on him. That's why I need to jump into him. Despite what I feel, despite what I see, my God is restoration and redemptive. Uh, The definition of restoration, this is going to be quick, guys. Let me move this one on. Restoration is the active, the action the, the what? When, of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. When you gave your heart to Jesus, if we can use those terminology if you don't mind. When I had a God relationship with Jesus and I said, Jesus, you've saved me. When I did that, he began the process of restoration in me. It was finished, yet it was still working in me. You see, the condition that the Father wants me in, He'll draw me back into. The definition of redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Can you see what it looks like now? Can you see why it's not just aimed at your circumstances, but at people? Therefore, when I meet somebody who's far from connecting in a great way with the Lord, I don't look at that person and go, Huh, you dirty, rotten sinner, scoundrel. I tell you what, I'm gonna accuse you and tell you change. I don't do that. Why? Because restoration and redemption is of Jesus Christ, He's already done it. Now, what I do is I look and I say, Hey, you are Son of God. And now I want to see what's God doing and what can I see the Father doing. And that's what I'm going to begin to jump on and call out. The first thing that always gets put to me, and I've done this before, yeah. Oh, Sheldon, I mean, uh, don't we have boundaries? Of course you have boundaries. Don't I speak truth to them? Of course you speak truth to them. But what you don't do is assassinate their character. You begin to see it and you call out the redemption of God. You say, this... Is God's and I begin to call out like Jesus did it to me, I call that out in others. I call it out in my circumstances. On an individual level, all the relationships you all the relationships that you find yourself in, see it from a restorative and redemption perspective. Begin to see what the Father's doing, begin to see how Jesus sees it, and begin to call that out. In circumstances, let's move it to a bit of a more macro level. Look at this nation, all the nations of the world. I'm just picking on this because I'm here now, right? Look at the nation of the United States of America. Stop focusing on the negative and start seeing what is the Father doing and call that out. How do I know I'm right? Because I know Jesus. I know the kingdom. And I know Scripture. And I know my God. You said it this morning well, Brian. You said, hey, black black sheep or something. You said, hey, if God, something about if God can change a black sheep, right? Wasn't, wasn't that restorative and redemption? If he does it for me, I'll do it for others. If he does it in those circumstances, he can do it in this nation. It takes the church who knows this revelation, not scientists and, 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 and strategists and politicians. They can't change the nation. The church is called to change the nation. Okay, I'm not going to go into politics, sorry. We're called to be kingdom people. We're called to live the kingdom. Let's forget all those other things. Let's focus on what Jesus and the Father is doing and say, yes, Lord, draw me into that. We will look weird. We will be a peculiar people that bring in the kingdom of God that changes our circumstances. And you know what that story of the the little uh, starfish that washed up on the beach? There was millions of them. You know the story? Okay, how do you save the starfish? There was this little girl. She was throwing it in the water and this, this more... Experienced person, let's use that word, came up and said, Hey young lady, there's thousands of these. How are you gonna how are you gonna get them all in? She said, I'm not trying to, but it matters to that one. We're called to look and say, What is God doing? Shaba, 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 shaba. What is the father doing? Jesus said, He said, That's all I do. Let's move on. Ooh, Help me, Jesus. We're no longer slaves, but we're sons and daughters of a promise. We're sons and daughters of the promise of restoration and redemption. I just want to keep throwing this disclaimer in. It's okay to feel a certain way. There's no problem with feeling of of, uh, whatever it is you're feeling. Negative feelings aren't the problem, guys. Negative feelings point to a deeper thing. It's okay, don't make friends with the, the, the negative feelings, but it's okay to have them. But realize that the Father's calling you to something more. Realize that I can't get to the more without Holy Spirit. I have to have Holy Spirit working in me in a fresh way for me to get there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Does it say the new, the new will one day change in you? No, it says it's here, in you, ready. You have it. It's yours. Now, how are we going to get to the realization that I'm a new creation? Well, very simply put, and this is maybe oversimplified, but bear bear with me. Simply, I submit and I surrender to the kingdom to rule in me. And I say, Holy Spirit, come and change me. Come and make me what you want. And then when Holy Spirit says, Sheldon, and this is for me personally, this is how I get it, when Holy Spirit says, Sheldon, I need you to do this, then I go, yes, Lord, and I go. Why? That's not work for me. Why? Because I'm called. When I'm called, He empowers and instructs and shares. So I walk in it very easily. Does that make sense? That's for me. If that's helpful to you, go for it. No, for no matter how many promises God has made, Listen carefully, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to glory of God, to the glory of God. In Christ they're yes. What do I mean? If you align yourself with Jesus and his kingdom, the kingdom works for you. Therefore, when the Bible says, just bear with me here, eh? forgive your neighbor, forgive them because the kingdom will produce the fruit. When the Bible says love your enemy, we love our enemy. Even although naturally I don't want to. Why? Because it will glorify God and the kingdom will fight for you. Because <laughs> man, I am useless without God. Consistently, my flesh man wants to go to the negative, consistently, my flesh man wants to see the worst. Consistently, I like aligning myself with everybody that agrees with my negative. But the Father says, stop agreeing with them. Look at what the Father is doing and look at what Christ is doing. Because when you do that, you look at that, He begins to fight the battle for you. Simple as that. It's not a difficult gospel. Jesus help me I'm such a useless man I'm not but I am if you know what I mean I'm loved I'm cared for but there's just I've just so many problems like what I mean by problems is I don't know why I keep jumping to that side of things all the time (laughs) but you know what thanks be to Jesus who has set me free who has empowered me and who is, I am blameless in his sight. I'm tired of the teachings that say, oh, if you do this 24 times, you'll get to a higher level of Christianity. Why? How many times am I going to have to do it before I'm tired? All I need to do is just hang out with Abba, Abba Daddy and say, you know what, Dad? I have this uh, thing in me. Could you help me get rid of it? And he goes, Of course, in Christ it's yes and amen. You'll say the amen and I'm saying the yes to you. You'll walk around going, Wow, how did I do that? And so, well, you know what, my son? You hung out with me. And yes, you, you, you played with me. How's that story of this one, you've seen it actually in The Lion King, I think they did it there. I can't remember. I haven't watched the movie in like a billion zillion years. But there was this one story where this little little Simba, I think the name was Simba, stands there and roars and everyone oh gets a fright and runs away until he realizes behind him is dad, who's really roaring. That's what goes on with us all the time. Man, I, I need that more, don't you? Okay, let's move on. I know, I know, I know. We are redeemed, in Him we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's what? Grace. Oh, sorry, with the riches of God's forcing you to do 20 things a day. By grace, I am saved. Listen, if I'm saved by grace, then I should extend the same grace to others and to my circumstances. I should look on them and say, Father, where's the grace story right here in this circumstance? Where's the grace story? Lord, I'm choosing to partner with the grace story and allow the redemption through your blood and the forgiveness of the sins that is happening in me to be washed away according to your grace. Help me. Jesus is probably sitting up there going, help me, help you. That's a joke. It's a bad one, but we are called to help others live in this revelation. Who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, are His own? What does it say? Eager to do what is good. Uh, how many of you read Titus, the book of Titus? I wonder. Great, good for you. I like that. Thank you, Abby. You see, we're called to do good, but Jesus himself said only one is good. What's the call again? Let's remind ourselves, I can't do good on my own, I can only do good in Christ. It is Christ who causes me to do good. That doesn't mean I do nothing, that means it's Christ who informs me, who who motivates me, who empowers me to overcome the, the, the work of the enemy, to dismantle the work of the enemy around me. But it, but it calls me into something, and that is simply to trust and rely on the work of the Spirit in me to do it in and through me. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another on. I'm not going to get into that this morning. But basically, how can we encourage one another? What am I trying to encourage? Let's look at it. Love and good deeds. I want to call out the love in you. I want to call out the good deeds I see in you. You may have a hundred bad deeds, but you have one good. That's the one I'm going to focus on. I'll put a boundary around the other ten. I'll speak to you about them, but the one I'm going to call and focus on, I won't put my attention on that. The one I'm going to put my attention on is to spur love and good deeds in you. When I look at my circumstances, I don't look at the circumstances as dismal and dying. I look at them and I say, my God's restorative, He's redemptive. Where is the Father in all this? I'm saying the same thing in 50 different ways this morning. You can do this if you want. If you don't want to, I'm okay with that. Look at yourself and say, you know what? I am not my Savior. You know what? Other people are not my Savior. Too often, we want from other people what we expect. I mean, let me give you a different way. I have a certain standard of living in my life. And I expect you to live according to that standard. I'm projecting my standards onto you. What we should be doing is, who are you in Christ and how can I encourage you? We may not agree on certain things. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what's God doing in you. How can I call that out? You see, they're not my savior, they're not my provider, they're not that. God uses them, but it's because I've surrendered and focused on God that the resources of the kingdom encourage others and things around me to pour back on me. When we look to the things to get it done as the primary, we get the whole thing mixed up. Jesus is your sole provider. Oh, sounds like a song. He is my sole provider. I don't look to anybody else. Yeah, I look to him. (laughs) Okay, you can see where I'm from. Okay, let's not go there. Uh, (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) You know what? I'm so, I'm so... (laughs) Why don't, we, why don't we end before I go crazy? Why don't you stand with me if you don't mind? I am so besotted with the Lord. Thank you. I am so at the place where I'm like, man, I desperately, desperately just need my Abba Daddy. And I'm at that place where I say, Lord, begin to transform my thinking. Begin to transform my heart Begin to transform me as only you can do. Because Lord, I do not want to focus on the things that the world tells me to focus on. But I want to focus on what the kingdom and the Father is doing. Lord, I want to know your scriptures. Lord, I want to know your revelations. Lord, I want to know you, your nature, your purpose, your plan. You are my pursuit. You are my one desire. Lord, it is you that I am desperately in need of. Lord, help me. For I am but in a sense although i'm saved and loved and fully cared for and i'm because of jesus my flesh man is wretched and it tries to draw me back into the things that just do not glorify your kingdom or your name help me to glorify you lord jesus i cannot do it on my own i'm too focused on the things that the enemy wants me focused on i've 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 let the kingdom of god be interpreted through my culture i want my culture to be interpreted through the kingdom Help me, Lord Jesus. Teach me not to fear. Teach me to live in truth. Teach me to live in love. If you agree with me on this, just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to walk and live and rest in love. I need you. This morning, I choose not just to say these words, but to receive from you. I cannot, but you can. Every promise in Christ is yes and amen. I will not let the world scare me. I will not let me scare me. I will not let my friends scare me. I ask you, To fill me this morning afresh. In other words, have your way in me.